you've got your balance sheet, you've got your cash flow, you, you know, you've, you've got all these reports, I suppose, which you can gather from Zero or QuickBooks, and they're all fine, but then it's interpretation of those. So it's understanding them and then presenting the report in said way um, that aligns with the people that you're working with. So the report is adaptable um, so that it has maximum impact once we you know, get them to understand it. Hello and welcome to The Melting Pot. I'm your host, Dominic Monkhouse. The Melting Pot is a result of my hunger and curiosity for optimizing business performance, exploring corporate culture, customer addiction, and building high-performing teams. It's full of advice from my guests, entrepreneurs, fellow business authors, and examples from some of my work over the last few years, coaching the CEOs and leadership teams of some amazingly successful tech firms. The Melting Pot is my attempt to synthesize what I've learned along the way, to help you build a highly scalable business and realize the potential of your life's work. If you enjoy the episode, head over to monkhouseandcompany.com forward slash podcast to find today's show notes and more editions of The Melting Pot. While you're there, if you subscribe to the newsletter, you can pick up a copy of my new book, Plan B, How to Scale Your Technology Business Faster and Achieve Plan A. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to The Melting Pot. I'm your host, Dominic Monkhouse. Today I'm speaking with and learning from Ben Westerby and Rick Smith, who are at Forbes Burton. And interestingly enough, they work with companies that haven't gone bust, but are in trouble and need help. And what's fascinating is that you would have thought the pandemic might have increased the insolvency rate in the UK. But in fact, what they go on to tell me is that at the minute, we're running at about 40% less, almost half the traditional insolvency rate for businesses in the UK, and that the government investment in furlough and bounce back and various other handouts has actually kept a lot of companies afloat. And so they've got some examples of pig farms and theatre firms and Harley Street clinics that they've helped. And where they step in is before the shutters come down and the creditors foreclose, what is it that they do? Who do they help? How do they help? So just some insight from Rick and Ben on what they can do, which I think might be very helpful. So, you know, if you're listening to this and your cash flow isn't where it needs to be, or there's a gap in funding, you know, maybe normal was great, today's not so good. And how are you going to get back to where you need to get to? Maybe you need some help negotiating with your creditors or your suppliers, and you need a plan, you need a third party to come in and help you, then I think Rick and Ben have some sage advice for you. So without further ado, my conversation with Rick and Ben from Forbes Burton. My name is Rick Smith. I'm the managing director of Forbes Burton. Um, Forbes Burton was was formed 15 years ago now. It sort of formed off the back of my own experiences within the insolvency world, namely my father, who went through the mill, as they call it, uh, and his experiences and uh, being a part of that. But it was interesting to me at that time. I was, I'm an engineer by trade, so uh, mechanical. It came an interest to me, business per se. So um, uh, moving the story on a little bit further, I um, got involved in it and learned from some really good sort of, I suppose, street fighting people uh, in this industry. And from that, then, we have um, been able to 
build quite a successful little business in helping people uh, in the times of need within their businesses when they're faced with problems that you know can be to the extent of having to close their businesses. And from that, then we've developed a recovery side to advise these companies to recover their position and and to help them grow and be sustainable. I'm Ben Westby. I uh, I graduated 20 years ago with a, a degree in economics from Nottingham and ended up working in fishing tackle, believe it or not, manufacturing, importing. It's a hobby of mine and it got out of control, but uh, we did pretty well at it. (laughs) We got involved with that and um, it got pretty large. And uh, with, you know, things that get pretty large when things go wrong, they can go pretty spectacularly wrong. Yeah, I, I, I then met Rick through a sort of mutual friend and it was time for me to move on and, um, was it now 10 years, Rick? So we've been involved with, with that and, uh, yeah, love every minute of it. Yeah, yeah. Is it unusual that neither of you are accountants in the industry that you're in? Yeah, I, I think, um, I suppose, is it? I mean, we're quite bespoke in what we do, to be honest with you. So, I mean, obviously, accountants have their their areas. Um, in insolvency practitioners have their areas and, and we sort of sit in the middle of that. You know, we are quite closely connected with accountancy practices, insolvency practices. So, you know, we still have those strengths, I suppose, um, but in-house, no. But there is a, a general training for the staff and, and a level we want them to achieve. So, we're, you know, but we, we don't excel in a certain tax area or, or, or insolvency area. So, Ben, when you say you met Rick was, and you said things get wrong and they go spectacularly wrong, did, did you meet him because the whole thing fell over or was going to fall over? No, it didn't actually. It, it didn't. It was an internal dispute. I'm not going to say too much about it, but it was a legal battle. So it was more of a failing of, of success, but we got involved and got uh, sued effectively in a bit of a, a big court case. But And it was it was time to leave, really. I think it disrupted things. It was... It, it was time to move on, um, so that was my. But no, it was it was actually through a mutual friend. So ironically, we didn't. It's interesting what you say about the accountancy side. I mean, I, I've got a bit of a background in sort of general in-house accounts and bookkeeping and that sort of thing throughout my career. But uh, it's actually a very different perspective. We spend a lot of time speaking with 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 people that have spoken with their accountants. An actual fact, uh, both Rick and myself we may have a very different answer to an accountant. Um, they tend to look at things historically, whereas we're in real time. So it's, it's quite interesting you raise that, but quite interesting that we, we, we have a slightly different perspective. And that's why I think it's useful to, to look at both those situations and what both people have to say. It's interesting, isn't it? You know, here we are coming out of the, the back end of the pandemic. And I suppose I spend most of my working days talking to people who are struggling with the success that the pandemic has given them. And you're speaking to the people at the other end. One of our new clients yesterday survived the pandemic in the travel sector and think it might be the best 30 years to be in the travel industry now because, you know, a third of the, a third of their competitors are no longer at the table. And and actually, there's pent up demand for holidays. So, you know, so where is are there particular industries that you're seeing have found the last year a challenge, or is it no different in terms of the makeup, or has the last year been particularly good for you in a, in in a sad way? I mean, we've had a mixed bag, really. We've had the Howley Street Clinic, for example, which was the wrong way 
pre-COVID to to the tune of uh, we was meeting with the the banks and, uh, and and a major creditor to them, and it was touch and go whether we was going to be able to get their support as such. But fortunately, we did, and we went went into a, a recovery program to to move them forward. And then the COVID struck, and um, then in with discussion with them, we the PCR testing came about, and um, it was something that. From a political perspective at that time, I can remember the meeting that the NHS weren't even providing it. So was it a good thing for, for the company to be um, to be able to do this? So the decision was made and we embarked upon it and unrolled it across the, the systems and completely blew this company in, in the right way. You know, we've got the right wind to recover this business in a very short period of time. And, uh, and now we're very much cash flow positive. Uh, and on to the next thing, which which really looks to me at the moment like the NHS are, have a backlog of services they can offer to the general public. And people are now thinking, I mean, prime example, Panorama programme the other night covers this off in that, um, you know, people are going to want still uh, some form of treatment and, uh, and, and the NHS are on a, a very long waiting list. So the private sector will be, um, be doing well out of it. And so what's the, in what capacity do you go into the businesses that you work with are they in such a poor state you're meeting with them daily or weekly or initially yes um we're sort of somewhat parachuted in so um we sort of land in there and and uh, and gather as much information as we can around their we call it their predatory action is it what is actually going against them at this what's the the pressing point and once we establish that then we establish well what is the time how much time have we got you know, it might be there's a winding up order served against them. It might be that a creditor is is getting very nasty with threats and so forth, or, or you know, it. Um, so we have to establish that position first off. Uh, what is our threat level, and then from there, what is the time we have got to sort of fix this thing, or is it fixable? You know, it's, it's so it's really data gather is the initial meet. But I suppose now going back from that, I think the initial meet is. The business is a business, but it's the people within the business that are the business, if that makes sense. So, you know, it's getting to know them and understanding uh, their position. And can we work with them, which is also an important factor to, to cover off, because I call it spinning my wheels. You know, we have had clients where, you know, you, you're, you're just going backwards all the time, you know, because they're just not engage in the way you need them to engage. And, and therefore, it, it's time to, um, you know, exit. But you may get them initially when they're they're in a very stressed position, you know, crying, emotionally drained with this all, had it all on their backs for for many many years, and 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 have fought. And and most business owners fight on a daily basis to to keep their business alive. And when you go in there, they're still fighting, albeit they're fighting the wrong direction, but they're still out there fighting to try and keep this thing alive. And that's back to the sort of getting in early question really because if you can get in there early enough and i can see the resistance from people not wanting to hold hand up to say we've got a problem here is because they've had years of fighting if, if it's not wanting it's the marketing it's the finances it's this this it's that the other day that they, they fight and that they tend to also sort of um I suppose get busier on the coalface and, and instead of actually taking the time out and looking back and going well Actually, you know, where are we going wrong and, and, and why are we now here? And the benefit to us is that we haven't got those blinkers. We're, we're completely detached from the business in an emotional capacity as well. And, and we can look at it from that perspective and see things that they 
just can't see. And uh, and we use different tools for that, a business analysis, which is a, a means of gathering that information, presenting it in such a way that can, they can actually physically see it then, which which is always a good thing. You know, we always get good reports from that, but uh, for the first time, they've actually seen the business. <laughs> so, yeah, I was going to say, they. this is the first time they've seen this data. So what are you presenting them? Is it a different look on their cash flow, a different look on their balance sheet? What I mean, to be honest with you, a lot of people, you know, you've got your balance sheet, you've got your cash flow, you you know, you've got all you've got all these reports, I suppose, which you can gather from zero or QuickBooks and um, and they're all fine. But then it's interpretation of those, um, which we find that people become stuck with it really is that, um, yes, they can see the figures. But, you know, me, for example, I like to see things more in graphic form and, and so forth. So I'm sort of that way on. And, and the, the Harley Street, prime example, you know, I profile the people I go into work with. And um, I understand that she's, you know, very sort of artistic, sort of sort of creative type personality. And, and with her, it was spinning lots of plates, had lots of things going, but nothing, not one of them was really doing anything other than she was just running around trying to keep those plates spinning. So it's understanding them and then presenting the report in said way um, that aligns with the people that you're working with. So the report is adaptable um, so that it has maximum impact once we you know, get them to understand it. The bit I'm seeing at the moment, which is very unusual, is that there's a lot of companies that are having to sit on their hands and wait. We've 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 seen this problem, for example, restaurants that have been shut for the best part of a year, and these goalposts keep getting moved back. You know, we've got another two months to wait, another three months. So I've amassed a, a large amount of, of clients that we haven't decided what's going to happen with yet. We don't quite know what to do. We need to wait to see how things pan out. One thing that we are strategizing at the moment is that a lot of people are wanting to get back to normal. And how do we take them back to normal? We know they've got good businesses. We know that their businesses make sense and that they're viable under normal situations. But when is that situation going to return? And I think that's that's one of the big problems that we're facing at the moment. Do you then help them fund that gap? You know, Because they might not have made any money. They might have made a substantial loss for the last 12 months they might not have had cash reserves so are you then helping them negotiate with their lenders or helping them put bridge bridge funding in place to get through to and and here's what normal looks like and this is how we think we'll get there that's one thing that we would look to do but what we're trying not to do is leverage these companies to a point where uh, when they do return that they've got an added cost base which makes them unviable so it's a balancing act. It's a balancing act. But what one of the things that we have found is that the government have actually been pretty helpful. As you know, they've, they've thrown lots of money about. But um, the revenue as well, they've been pretty lenient. They've they've laid off on any forms of enforcement. So it has been an easier situation for us to buy that time at the moment. And, and also, if you look at the, the wider statistics, in actual fact, um, contrary to, to what people might think, that the actual natural level of businesses that are failing out there at the moment has been suppressed, which is quite a perverse thought, really, during all of this. Oh, because because of the government funding and furlough and so on, like it was a catastrophe, but Precisely. but actually there's been a, yeah. what, the, the level of insolvency is lower than it would normally be. It was running 40% lower. Oh, wow. Up until recently, it started to gain momentum again from about Q2 this year. So it's picking up pace again. But yeah, so what we've got is not only all of those companies that have been affected that are wanting help, but there's all of those companies that would have needed help as well that are still sort of in the mix here. Oh, so actually the, the economy's full of 
what's the, the term zombie company is it like yes. it, you know what it's it's interesting because as we rolled into the pandemic people said there is a there is a story here yet to be told of suicides you know we we believe suicide rates will be significantly up and so far the data suggests that it's actually the other way and it's gone and it actually it actually went down and so the same with insolvency you would think it's gone up and in fact it's gone down yeah, there's a story that um, uh, someone told me once. It's when you get into these moments of ultra crisis that you know perverse things happen. It's like when somebody's in the Arctic and they're dying of hypothermia, they actually take all their clothes off because they feel hot. It feels a little bit like that at times. But there's a, there's a saying I've developed um, during this moment, which is worrying for me. You mentioned suicide there, and there is a you know an overlap into you know, the mental health aspect for our clients as well. And that is when you're surviving as a business, as an individual, you're just existing. And that's the bit that we're sort of conscious of as well, is these individuals, what impact is it having on them, their families, their wider team, their staff? So it's certainly been a, a very difficult time and it's, it's, it's you know, we're, we're not out of it yet. I think, we've, I think we're, we're going to start to be able to start to address it soon. I think that's, that's what we could say. So there might be some, there might be some people listening who are in that existing or in fact they did have a sustainable business but at the moment they're not they're not out of the woods or they don't know how to to get back to normal so what i mean rick you said earlier you wish people would get in touch earlier yeah the benefits of that is that we've got more you know there's there's a wider range of tools you can use if if they do but it's still it's a battle for any company in, in the advisory role really is that they they just tend not to until there's a um, a big decision to be made as such and, and they then start looking around for help. The benefit to that is the more open to to your advice, I suppose, um, because they know the back's against the wall. It's um, trying to get them in early enough to, to realise where they currently sit. But we're, we're quite hopeful and we've been sort of uh, campaigning now with, with the marketing and so forth to sort of get back to where you was type thing because we know there's a lot of companies out there that were, were fine pre-COVID. Um, and it's then looking at their situation now moving forward and saying, okay, well, what has changed and what do we now need to do to um, to address that moving forward? And and Ben touched on there about the toxic debt element that these companies, I mean, it's great that the government did what they did with the bounce back loans and C-bills, but the reality is that's still a debt that now needs addressing moving forward. And what you picked on as well, Don, which was, you know, the, the companies don't really, you know, if you think of a, a restaurant that wants to open its doors again, well, there's associated costs in which they need to incur to do that. You know, they need to get the supplies, um, they, they need to, you know, get the, the facility back up and running again, hygiene-wise and so forth. So there's all these costs that um, that, they, that they're going to incur to, to actually open their doors. So that's got to be factored in as well. And I do think that the government have, have, have sort of helped in a in a handout to keep the business ticking over over this crazy period. But then really, we should be looking at how we can help these businesses um, restart again. And they have come out with um, sort of a restart package, but it's, you know, talking to the the sort of um, the banks and, and so forth, that the feedback we're getting is that you've got to be pretty well planted in your finances and have uh, resources and assets to sort of secure their their future lending with you which which to me is a concern so that will have a knock-on effect i feel with with the recovery of of these companies and so what types of tool are at your disposal so you know if if i'm if i'm out there listening to this and and you know i'm trying to work out how to close the gap between where i am now and and normal what what are some of the things that you you do with clients today? 
I think the first thing is a, a fresh pair of eyes, just somebody that can come in and, and sit down with them and, and listen to their concerns relating to their business and then start to put a fresh perspective to it. And we can bring the skill set that we've amassed over the years. I suppose street fighting, you know, we've we've gone into we 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 go from a a wide spectrum of industries. You know, there's not one industry that we, we probably haven't had an association with, be that uh, waste to energy power plants uh, to Harley Street sort of private healthcare. You know, it, it's such so wide that, and the benefit of that is that we, we pick up a lot of of, of skill set that we can and offer to these people from the very early stages. And um, and and then it's a case of, like I say, understanding them. What what it is it? Why are we where we are? And where do they want to go? Um, and then it's the tools appropriate to, um, you know, whether we you know we need to find data. We need to get analysis report done on the business. We need to understand the relationship between their financial side of things with their accountants and so forth. Is it northernizing, Ben? What, what? North shoring. North shoring. Yeah, north yes. shoring, which seems to be a buzzword. From our southerners type thing that um, <laughs> um, you know. I was thinking, what are you talking about? And now I've realised it's like go, let's go and hire people in Newcastle because they're cheaper. Yeah, you've yeah, it. you've got it. Yeah, and it's it's a big way of saving costs because uh, no disrespect, but people in London that do have you know their overheads are higher and so forth, so there's a, a higher cost to uh, provide that service. Whereas in the north northeast sort of area, that the skill sets there, it's just that you know that there's a cost base is, is less. In the past, I've put teams in South Africa or Bulgaria. You know, when, when I was at IMR, we, we said, okay, I wonder whether we could reduce our cost base by putting some people in Bulgaria. And we did an analysis and we couldn't save money by moving work to Bulgaria from Glasgow. So I was amazed. Well, one thing I would say is just, just on that point, Dom, is that um, you ask, what do we do? We, we go around the country uh, giving seminars to people on various aspects and one of the things we do is we ask people to bear in mind these could be they're mainly SMEs mainly sort of on the smaller side of things but we we ask people to put their hands up in the air if they know within sort of a few hundred quid what's in their company bank account and it's a bit of a strange question and catches people off guard but what we're trying to get to there is there's a lot of people out there flying totally blind I was going to say in the SME world, people would know to within the nearest 10p, but you're saying like they, they just sit there and they say, I've got no idea what's in my bank account. I would only be in that position if I had, if it had at least three months operating expenses in there, in which case I probably don't mind to within a couple of hundred quid. You're right. You're absolutely right. And this is, this is one of the problems that we see. So it's the, it's the simple fundamental things that are in place. So the first things we would look to do is are those you know, basic pillars there? Is there any strategic approach to what they're doing? Are the finances in order? Is there a cash flow forecast? And, and quite, you know, there are there are times and quite alarming really where you will see that they're not. So we might have to go in there and really look at some of the basics. And Rick's a big advocate of this. He talks at length because I think he's seen it an awful lot as well. Is that people set up businesses or companies because they're very good at doing something, but they're not very good at doing. Uh, you know everything else so those sort of holes carry forward with them and it's it's about making sure they're plugged yeah i i mean i think the data is in the uk these a business tends not to be started by a 21 year old software developer but somebody later in life who's got 12 years of industry experience being a subject matter expert and they know everything about the thing that they know everything about but they probably don't know anything about customer acquisition because it probably wasn't the bit that they did and they don't know anything about finances because they've never worked in the finance team and so there they are they're now an entrepreneur and maybe they're successful because they brought some customers with them from their previous employer but it can go wrong quickly 
yes, and then that that's pretty common. So I think what Rick's saying there is, you know, getting getting the additional support from a third party, you help to plug those gaps and really reveal where the weaknesses are. It's really important. We see it a lot with sort of sales people. You know, they're, they're turning all these huge figures for the companies, but they're sort of ignorant of the support that's going on behind them. And that's really highlighted when things don't go so well. Ben, what's one of the, what's, maybe there's a story that, you know, that you've worked with a client that you're most proud of or is a great tale to tell. What, what's a great example that always makes you proud? Um, more than an individual case, I think it's more those cases where we find a fix. There was one recently, again, I can't go into specifics, but we managed to rescue a business, save the staff, to save a, a local business, which was providing a service for a town not too far from me. So I think cases like that for me are the ones that make me most proud when, and I actually know these people, you know, so, you know, I see these people and you see the effect that that has, you, you know, you see the company still trading on Facebook and, and doing well and, 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 and people benefiting from that. So I think moments like that, Don, really, when you see something which looks absolutely finished, um, and you manage to go in there and, and, and steady the ship and, and turn the thing around and keep it going. For me, is uh, anything like that is good. Rick, have you got? You look back and you go, God, that was that was great. You know, we did we did great work. Yeah, I, I think both really because I think you know from a, a fifty plus um, uh, waste. Um, I mentioned earlier on waste to uh, to energy um, setup. That was an interesting one because there's a key factor to why they were, you know, amassing about 1.2 million quid worth of creditor balances that were struggling on a day to day to try and not pay because they didn't have the money to do it. I mean, their the expansion was so rapid that, you know, they had very little resources to expand. And consequently, all that really did was just shift the debt around in the business. And when I got in there, I could see that. They were just still, like I say, I call it chipping on the coal face. They were still out there chipping even faster. But actually, that was having a negative effect to their business because all that was doing is just compounding that problem. And, and it was a case of them making the necessary adjustments with their clients to address this cash flow situation power with with uh, hmrc and get their support and the creditor support to say look this is where we're now going and we're going to deal with this so that was quite a a good one because you would think a size of business as it was it was able to you know it, it wouldn't have been this predicament and therefore it, you know it was from a um so yeah again back to i was i have no association to it I'm, I'm open i'm going in there all i'm doing is just extracting the information looking at what's what's happening then we made some changes we got monies up front for, for for works that they did and and that started to ease the situation that was able to start to address the the creditor balances and and so forth so i suppose from that one that was a bigger one i suppose but then you go down to the smaller a car garage is another prime example. You know, the guy was a small, the three of them, and um, and he's a good mechanic, very good mechanic. But the, the problem he had, he was rubbish at running a business, and um, and and he was just being pulled from pillar to post. And, you know, back to the story we said earlier on that these people tend to get into business because they're very good at what they do, and all of a sudden they get more and more uh, customers because of that, and then all of a sudden they can't service that, so they get somebody else in, and then somebody else in, and all of a sudden they've entered into this business world which is never what they um you know they embarked upon so 
it was a case with him was was trying to work with him not the business it, it was getting him to understand where his skill set is and where he is best positioned and then put in the, the necessary infrastructure within his business to allow him to get back to what he enjoyed and what he's actually good at and yet again you know that, that was a good recovery for me because it was quite a, a personal connection with, with the client same mold really they they you know you're going in the ring with somebody that's been in that ring fighting constantly and you're going in there then to try and say you know um come this way you know you don't need to be punching that bag as much as you are you can you can go about that particular thing in a different way so it's diff- that was quite a difficult one because he was quite headstrong and he, he was you know that's that's what he was going to do so i suppose those are the two ones that um you know stick with me it's funny when you ask them because you speak to people every day, but when you, somebody asks you about a specific case, it, it, it's hard to think. But just just on that, I remember um, there was a, a theatre production company once just telling a slightly amusing story because I went down to to see these people and they were um, very emotionally in tune, should we say. And uh, the, the whole sort of team were there waiting for me and uh, I spoke to them and they, they had this problem. And when I sort of have, have worked out a plan for them moving forward and advised that I think we can save this and save the theatre. Um, they all sort of jumped on me and pounced on me and sort of started cuddling me and there was, there was tears and, there was, <laughs> and, and, and I didn't know what to do. Um, so I think the strangest moment probably was that, laying, uh, laying on the floor being hugged by a load of actors. Um, yeah. I mean, it's interesting because just teasing out from some of the things you've said, you know, uh, I was just thinking about your mechanic there, Rick, and it's, you know, if he'd put his fee up, you know, he didn't necessarily, you know, he could have he could have stifled demand by putting his fees up, and and then you know, people are like, oh, could I do that? Uh, is that something I can do? You know, or I, you know, I spoke recently to a guy who said I'm thinking of selling the business, and I said why? He said, well, because I hate I hate running it. I said, you do know you can hire people to run it for you. And he's like, can you? So I like, you know, like this is a this is a guy with sort of 30 people and he just didn't enjoy the job of being the managing director. So for that reason alone, he was thinking of selling, you know, and then that sort of customer funded model, you know, getting people to pay in advance rather than in arrears. You know, often that's that's possible. And again, you just think, how can you not, how can you be running a company and you come along and say, well, why don't we build them in advance? And they go, Oh, that's a good idea. And then, and then we're building them in advance, and you know, probably three months later, they forget it was your idea. But what are there any other things like that that are often, you know, your sort of top few things when you're when you're looking at the data that you that if people are listening to this and they go, oh, maybe I could do that too. Yeah, I mean, we've always done it that way, which is a constant thing I tend to get from people is, um, you know, back to what I was saying earlier on is that it's important for me to actually know that my time is going to be spent um, and we're going to actually do something productive with this business. So it's important to me to get the buy-in from those people that have uh, have asked for my assistance or or the company's assistance, should I say, uh, and my colleagues. So it's really then um, if that's half the battle, if they do, and and then you're in the case of starting to sort of look at areas within the business, like I say, once you've got an understanding of it, you can start to ask those questions. And a lot of it is, well, we've always done it that way. 
well, that's, is that the right way to be doing it? You know, and it's, it's a case of then how do I present that to them? Because it's their industry. I don't know their industry. You know, they're, they're very good at whatever it, welding or whatever it is they may be doing. Um, but by example, welding, I mean, they, um, they add one where you can actually, it's cheaper to bend a pipe than it is to weld a pipe. Um, because once you've welded the pipe, you have to x-ray it, it has to go through certain scrutiny to make sure that it's, it, it does its thing. Whereas a bending a pipe, you don't. Um, so the cost associated. So, you know, we've always welded them. Well, can we not? Can there's another way about doing this? So, I'm absolutely probing into, I suppose, into an industry that they're very, very good at, and and and, and trying to understand. Um, um, you know, is there a better way around doing this? So, that's not a business thing. That was more of actually an operations perspective. How can we change that to, to make it more uh, efficient and 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 so forth? So, yeah, it, it's it's. Um, you know, we've always done it that way is, is is something I hear a lot. And then it's a case of trying to explain to them in, in a way in which I think they would engage with and be open minded to reviewing that and, and seeing, well, and, and more so now with this with this, this pandemic. I mean, that's a, a big thing that everybody, every business owner up and down this country is going to be impacted, has been or is going to be impacted with this. So it really is a case of looking back at their business and going and taking a holistic view, stepping back from it. I always back on about working in and working on. A lot of businesses always tend to work in far too much. You know, that, that balance between working on your business and working in your business needs to be adjusted. And then you look back at it and start to ask questions of it. And uh, and whether you break the four pillars of the business down, which is something we do, and it's it look at certain aspects of your business. Maybe it's the financial side of it. Um, you choose that one, the first one, and start to ask those questions. And and I, you know, a past, a present, and future view of that it is a good tool to use to see how. Well, that's what's happened in the past. This is where we are currently at. So why are we are, why are we where we are, and then how do we then move this business forward based on this this crazy time in which we've found ourselves in? So yeah, tools of that nature. Are you like a dentist? It's like, does nobody ever have joy in engaging you? I think the biggest fear is coming on the phone. I always say to somebody when they come on the phone, by the end of the call, you, you're going to sleep tonight. And that's a, I use that as a barometer to this sleep thing. You know, when you get someone come on the phone, they go, I'm not sleeping. That's quite a common thing we hear, isn't it, Rick? And I'm not sleeping there. there. So I think maybe the initial fear of, of, of uh, you know, it's what's facing them. But I think we do a pretty good job of trying to calm the situation. And and I think because our, you know, we're not we're not involved. We're not the first person there. We're we're pretty. Our heart rate doesn't really move too much. We've heard most things. So I think being calm to on the phone, uh, and and knowing that there is a way through this, and there's there's things that can be done. Generally speaking, by the end of the call, I think their perspective has changed. A referral is always easier to deal with initially, um, because they've they've spoke to their friend and, and they've recommended us and, um, and and they're a lot more open to to um, how you can help them whereas if they've just come across this through uh, our channels then um, you know they're still investigation mode and they're still trying to find out um, you know whether they do need your services or not. How often do you turn up and you can't help them the patient's actually already dead? Uh, we do, and it, it is part of it, and that's when the insolvency side um, has to then have its position because, you know, the, the business shouldn't be worsening in its position. The business is the creditors, and that's that's, that's the, 
you know understanding business owners need to get is that it's it's yes they're managing it and running it but it's not theirs it, it, it's the creditors that are um uh, uh, funding i suppose this business business to trade so from an insolvency perspective it's important to get that measure to go okay well if we were to keep open for another week would we worsen that position and, and if we were to worsen that position, would we be doing it in such a way where um, we would actually be able to get on our feet in the next week, if you see what I mean, to be able to better that position? So you, you're looking at it from that perspective. Is it broken? Is it literally gone? Um, and if so, then it, it's, it's a, a formal process of taking it through a liquidation and, um, and, and closing the business, but uh, closing the company, should I say. But the business might actually be quite good. So you're then in the process of looking, well, actually business is, is, is um, sustainable. It's got some good um, elements to it. So it's then, you know, dealing with that as well. So the company is no longer, it's broken, but the business is, 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 uh, is viable. Rick, Rick mentioned it there. I think uh, those, those, you know, percentages that come to us where it's too late, um, you know, if they if they'd picked the phone up six months earlier, there would have been a you know, greater chance to do something. You know, they, they get to the point where, options are limited which is why you know you know we go out there and we are trying to get in front of these problems sooner uh and, and obviously that gives us much greater options but yeah you, you sadly you know we do see them we do we do come across them how often i mean what proportion of the people who pick up the phone and ring you are too far gone to fix it varies. It varies on. Uh, I mean, it, it's been quite quiet, really, in in the uh, you know throughout this pandemic. So that's been quite a a mixture. And I think Ben can answer it better than me. He's more frontline on on the sales side. But you know, people are should have closed. They zombify, and and they just sat there treading water. They they should have closed a long time ago, really. But but they haven't due to furlough and and all the subsidies that um, that have been helping these people along. But they've not come to the point of making that decision yet. I think, like Rick's saying, we, we've seen a steady um, run for for the last eighteen months because of the lifeboat measures. But I I do think sadly that that number is going to increase over the next twelve or eighteen months. So we could we could start to see. 20% of people, I don't know, just putting it out there. We, I think we'll see a, a, an increase where it's going to be more tricky to, to, to... But I think as well, Dominic, I think a lot of these people have probably come to that understanding already. They've already gone through that journey. I think the main message is as, as soon as, as they see a problem, as soon as there's a problem, you know, um, get help. And Rick, what is it you know now that you wish you'd known earlier? I think it's, to me, is people... Relationship with people, I think, is a is a. I wish I'd had the skills that I have now with working with people and understanding them and 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 because um, I'm quite a good, I'm quite good. I mean, I'm sort of blowing my own whistle with that one, but um, you know, I come from a motorsport background where I was building up. It's important in the motorsport world to have a good team. You know, you look at your, your Formula One and so forth. It's you you see the end result of the driver around the track but actually behind the scenes it's it's, it's a, and it's massive nowadays with the size of what they are and what they do and how they keep the team going so so for me it's important as a key point within what i do is to actually understand that person so it you know that that to me is is, is the answer okay ben what is it you've got to know that earlier would have been useful I think coming into Forbes and and in a lot of ways being a, a, a student to um, how Rick runs things is is going to mirror what Rick said. It's taught me an awful lot. People are at the heart of, of of everything. I think understanding the differences. I think earlier on in 
my career or earlier on in my life, you kind of have this fairly blinkered view that there's, uh, uh, there's you know, people are like yourself. There's a very sort of polarised type of view that uh, they're all fairly similar. But as you sort of develop and, and go on in your career, you realise that that's, that's very, very different. Um, and I think it's, it's really important to, uh, to master that, to, to embrace the fact that um, we are all different. Uh, and in doing that, I think you become not only more effective in your own personal lives, but certainly in business, being able to manage teams and also to get out of problems, to know not to have the sort of the ego, not to turn to somebody or to understand that that person over actually that they're the person for the job to, to get the right people involved. Um, so yeah, very much like Rick, I think, I think we're very, I think Rick sort of, uh, brought that out of me to, to understand yourself and, and to respect and, and understand, understand those around you. Fab. Thank you. Um, and what, what books have you found useful in your careers or, or do you think entrepreneurs should pick up? One of the early books I, um, read was a lot of, um, the Bono stuff, how to have a beautiful mind. I suppose it depends what role you're doing, really. But I, I speak to probably somebody asked me this once. I'd have to have a stab at it. I maybe speak to a hundred clients, a hundred uh, directors a month. So it's really, really important that um, they like me first of all. So what De Bono's really sort of taught you is that um, you see these sort of people that think they're very good at their job. So they've got this very one-dimensional. This is me. This is what you get. This is what you're paying for. Uh, what you see in the movies. But what I've learned from from reading a lot of his work is that you have to adapt. You have to understand who you're speaking to. One minute you could be speaking to somebody that works on a pig farm or the next minute I could be speaking on a podcast to, to you, Dominic. So I need to know how to make people smile. I need to know how to make people want to listen to me and trust me. So you get a lot of value from from what he writes about. Yeah, there isn't one, unfortunately. Um, nothing, not one that sticks out. But Edward de Bono is, is, you know, I second what Ben was saying there. I mean, his stuff is is, is great. But I, I don't think there's, you know, I've I've been asked this question in the past, and and um, and, and I don't think there's one because I think they all bring different uh, books, give you different. I'm not an avid reader, but uh, what I do tend to do is to. <laughs> Rick has a pile of books on his desk, by the way. He does have. He does. I can. I can. I can vouch for that. I can vouch for that. He has lots on his desk. Yeah, and on my bedside table as well. Um, you know, it, I I tend to extrapolate from them what it is that I'm that will serve me. I suppose is the answer to that. At the time in which I, I I'm I'm reading them, um, but it might not be a book. It's it's you know a lot a lot of my shift now is is being like podcasts or listening to information or or, or just picking up on 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 the web as to um, things and and then then I, I I take that maybe it's a. Um, a, a one sentence that I find is it actually quite resonates with me at that time, and I will I will then add my own little storage system, I suppose, where I, I keep them, and, and then I um, you know if I feel it's, it's a useful thing to share among the staff, I, I will bring that in. I've read quite a lot over the time, but I, it, it's there's not one to answer your question, Don. There's not one that stands out to me and says that is the one that everybody should read because it will change their lives. I think. Um, reading things and um, and educating you know educating yourself is an important ongoing. You never leave school. You know you've got to remember that and just got to keep um, uh, embracing uh, learnings and change and adapting. And more so now with with what we've all been going through. It's uh, can can I just share a quick story about Rick? Actually, one time I, I'd not known Rick very long, 
and he sat me in a boardroom and uh, put a video on, and it was a, a bike race. You know, I don't know anything about it. You know, uh, road racing like Tour de France. And I, th- I thought, you know, I've, I've I've got the wrong company here. I need I need to maybe, you know, look again. But but cleverly, what Rick was doing then, and what he what he went on to do was uh, explain the dynamics of a of a peloton. And um, I, you know, I was I was quite clever really. So that's where Rick's you know Rick is very observant with with things like that. And I think that's that brushes off on the rest of the team as well. Where you know, if you actually look at that, it's, it's it's quite an amazing feat that they're doing. The way that you get this group of people over the line in a very quick time, uh, but you're using a team function. So. Yeah, Rick, Rick uh, and the rest of us, we sort of bring a lot of that sort of thing to the table and it's it, it's a really good way to learn, I think. Well, Ben, Rick, thank you very much indeed for giving us your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Uh, thank you, Don. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks very much. Cheers now. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. If you'd be kind enough to leave a review, it will really help other like-minded entrepreneurs find this podcast and grow our community. For all information relating to this episode, you can go to monkhouseandcompany.com forward slash podcast, where you'll find some cracking show notes, additional reading and links relating to our guest. There you can also find my blog and past episodes of my subjectively not crap newsletter, where I'll update you on the best articles I read that week, some recommended books and other podcasts. Thanks, and I will see you next week.